Hey everybody, Cheryl Todd here from Gun Freedom Radio. And I am excited today because I'm being mocked by my good friend, Diana Muller of the DC Project. Welcome to the show, Diana. Gun Freedom Radio. <laughs> we just like to say that. I we do. think you're really cool. And, and you do it way better than I do, so I'm going to be taking lessons. So the DC Project, this is your brainchild. This is your baby. This baby is only, what, four or five years old? We have been to DC four times as a big group, and you, of course, have been there five because you were part of the original crew that I took as leaders that we needed to figure out what we were going to do, if how to do it. And so we had what a group of 12, 14 people, maybe that first year trying to train our leaders up that first February. And then our first trip, our first big trip uh, was 2016 and the uh, summer of 2016. So take us back to that time before the DC project existed and tell us what it is and why you were so passionate to bring it to life. Well, I think before it existed, I was a very, very common uh, American, and I, I was very happy in my happy spot of, uh, you know, really no enemies per se. I didn't pay attention to politics. I, um, you know, we, we are basking in all of this freedom. And until, um, until recently, I haven't really started paying attention and really realizing that, you know, there are people and there are forces in this world that want to um, strip of us, strip us of our constitutionally guaranteed rights to protect ourselves with our firearms. So, um, and, and really, you've heard me tell the story, but I'll tell you again. Um, a friend of mine, I was in D.C. as a tourist, and a friend of mine that uh, you know, Jane Horton, said, do you want to meet your congressman? Jane does a lot of work with uh, Blue Star families, and now she's actually working for the administration, the Trump administration and the Defense Department, and advising on, on those things for Gold Star families. So she was very well connected in, in DC and she said, you want to meet your Congressman? It was really like a, mm, I guess that's what you do when you're in DC. So it was during that conversation with my Congressman, uh, Stephen Russell, that, uh, I was like, is there something that we as professional shooters should be doing to, uh, educate these people who are making really big decisions that involve me? Mm. And that's where it started. He's like, yeah, I think you should. And he actually said, you know, you should probably go after the antis or the people that um, think that, that they do want to put restrictions on us. And I was like, you know what, the people that aren't that are pro 2A, they need to hear from us as well. So I really wanted from the very beginning it to be a bipartisan effort and uh, like I said I thought it was gonna be professional shooters hey let's go as professional shooters we're very easy to vet we can speak you know professionally about firearms and God had a much bigger plan for us so um, now I have uh, a, cr a true cross-section of America of, of women that represent the Second Amendment in so many different facets absolutely well I was fortunate to hear about the DC project before I had ever even met you. And when I got a sense of what it was you were trying to do, I basically begged you. I was like, please, oh, please, oh, please let me, let me be a part of this because I'm thinking I'm not a professional shooter and maybe that's all you're looking for. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not, not a competitor competitive shooter. We own a gun shop. I have this radio show. So I'm like trying to play the angle like, Hey, let me be a fly on the wall and help tell your story. And, um, thank goodness you weren't, uh, you know, kind of locked on. Thank goodness for me, you weren't locked on the idea, right. particularly of professional, uh, competitive shooters. Um, because it, this has been one of the most incredible growth, uh, journeys of my 
personal life is realizing myself, you know, how, you know, I would vote, I would pay attention, I would vote, and I knew what I was voting for and about, but to actually, you know, impose myself on, you know, the time of our elected official, that just felt like, why would I do that? Let them get their work done. I don't want people plopping themselves in my office when I'm trying to work. Right. But I had it, I had it mixed up. They need to hear from us, right? How can they represent they, they are, They are, they are a representatives. So if they do, if they only have, if they're in a microcosm or a little bubble of people, then they're only listening to those people. Then we, you know, it's really done a disservice on our, on, on us being conservative. I believe uh, we don't impose ourselves. We don't want to be, you know, Oh, we, we're too nice or we're too, you know, it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease and uh, conservative type people do not squeak. So it's kind of backfired on us, honestly, that uh, we aren't out there beating the drums and not that I want to act like idiots and make fools of ourselves, but we certainly do need to engage. And, and you know what, four years later, after we started this, we've got two women running for Congress next year. And I think that's huge. And I really think that that's what we, um, you know, we should at least explore within the DC Project Women of, you know, who is interested, who has the bandwidth, and let's get you some training. Uh, maybe the DC Project can be actually a breeding ground for a really good Second Amendment uh, women going to serve the country. That would be an incredible um, thing to have happen because you, you know, we talk about being conservative, and a lot of our delegates are conservative, but not all of them. And so... Right. How does how does that even work in this divided world that we're living in, where we're supposed to, you know, not even uh, associate ourselves with somebody that doesn't 100% align with all of my uh, political thinkings? How on earth have you been able to bring together women from all along the spectrum of political ideation and? have us play nice together and think about possibly growing up legislators out of a group like that. Um, that that's an incredible feat. Well, that's been a learning process for me too, because um, I'm in my own bubble and my own microcosm here. So, you know, and I've taken missteps when it comes to thinking that it's just a conservative effort. So, I can remember Lara Smith. I can remember being at a girl and a gun uh, national conference. And I said something about the libtards and she's like, <laughs> uh, that would be me. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, my apology. <laughs> Present company excluded. <laughs> so it was then that I realized, I mean, I ran into my first uh, hardcore left leaning Democrat that supported the second amendment. And that's one of the things that I love about the DC project is that, you know, everybody in our, in our ranks and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of left leaning democratic people who understand that the second amendment is for them too. And is, and it's for everybody. And it is a nonpartisan issue. It hasn't been until, you know, the past, I'd say, what, five, 10 years that it has become a strictly partisan issue. Mm -hmm. um, so their voices are even probably more important than ours to, mm -hmm. to remind their own that, that uh, this is a nonpartisan issue, that the Constitution and that, uh, you know, if you really do believe that Donald Trump is a Nazi, the last thing you should be doing is um, proposing that we disarm our, our society. So... Absolutely. The, the logic train. What's that? That's my partisan speech. Yeah. Well, you know, that's where the logic train just keeps jumping the tracks for me is that, you know, we're being told that, you know, our president is evil and we're being told that, you know, white supremacy is on the rise and it, you know, people are oh, marching yeah. down the street and I'm thinking, and that's the rhetoric that, that you're using to somehow convince people that we need to g g vilify our guns, give up our guns. You know, I, I can't marry the two together in my mind. Um, but it, it is an interesting it doesn't process. Hmm? 
it doesn't make sense to me either, but no. that's why we leave it up to, to our girls that lean left to, yeah. to take the message back to, to their own community. For sure. It has got to be highly frustrating. So for me, I am a, a single issue voter. So it's the second amendment period, end of story. And then if I have, you know, multiple candidates that seem pretty well aligned on the second amendment, well, then I'll start considering other things. Um, and so if, if that were the case for me and I happen to otherwise be a left-leaning voter, I would be left completely without a candidate, right? Um, and so right. then it makes me wonder what is going to happen when people get into the ballot box and it's just them and the pen or them and the little computer, however they, they do their voting. Um, you know, I... I have to believe that there's going to be people that vote for, remove the name of the candidate. They vote for the issue and they vote for the candidate that is going to protect and preserve and hopefully try to restore uh, our Second Amendment protections. Because even that, a lot of times people get it confused, right? Well, our rights, you know, the Constitution gives us our rights. That's not the case. No, they, no. It's a protection. It's it a guarantees legal, that government yeah. won't infringe Absolutely. upon those rights. Absolutely. So how much of the DC project is a learning journey for, for women? So, so for me, I, I didn't feel like, well, I better get learned up about things before I can ask you and beg you if I can be a delegate. But once I became a delegate, I realized that, there's a huge part of my responsibility as a citizen to know everything that I should know and, and to have, I mean, actually read the constitution. There's so many people that have never even read it and it's tiny. It takes like an hour to read it. Um, what has been your experience with the, the delegates you've brought on? Do you feel like, you know, they're already really learned in these things or is it kind of like when you go to Bible study, you're, you're, facilitating along with others? I would say the latter. And um, I talked to, uh, you know, I pretty much talked to everybody who's come on board and there are no requirements when it comes to being learned in the second amendment or in the constitution. Uh, these ladies have to have a heart uh, and a pocketbook to do this on their own. They have to have the time, and, but they just need to share their story. The DC Project is about uh, sharing their personal story about why the Second Amendment is important to them. And uh, so it doesn't require a huge background in, you know, the, the theology, the learned part of, of the Second Amendment. So, but there is a, I, I know that I have learned more and I've heard other people, you know, say that they have learned more. And now we're trying to incorporate actual some uh, studies when it comes to being prepared once we go to Capitol Hill. So it's not that, you know, it's more about the relationship, but we definitely do want to be educated on, on the issues and, and be able to talk uh, with some, um, with some intelligence about the topic. Absolutely. And I think all of uh, your delegates, definitely they speak from their own personal experience, which is so impactful and so powerful um, and kind of, you know, pulls it away from the, the talking points and the sound bites and the, the other stuff. It's just, I want, to, I want you as my representative to know me so that you can represent me because a lot of them, they don't even know that gun owners aren't all 50 and something year old camo wearing bearded dudes, right? They don't even know. What's that? Cut off sleeves, missing yeah. teeth. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that was one of the one of the you know the the women of the DC project really do break the stereotype when it comes to what a gun owner looks like. So not only are we sharing our stories, but we're really re, you know re revealing. You used uh, the word ordinary in uh, your speech recently, and I was like, we are ordinary Americans. Mm -hmm. Ordinary warriors, for sure. That's one of my favorite talks that I give because it, I think it is that ordinariness that is very empowering to us because we, 
we understand that we don't have to have a PhD in the Constitution and, you know, uh, you know, have run for office ourselves or anything like that in order to be impactful and in, in order to reach out and and start, uh, you know, engaging with our, our representatives. So just start where you are and move from there. So when you talked about pocketbooks, oh, go ahead. No, I wanted to kind of talk about where we want to go with the DC project is I really want to have each of our women go back down into their state level and do the same thing at the state level. It's not going to be as big a commitment. It's not going to be as financially uh, strapping as the trip to DC, but uh, if they could just go and be a face and, and form those relationships there, but don't wait on us. Don't wait on, you know, if, if you hear this and you're inspired to do something Take a couple of friends, go down, make an appointment with your legislator. Your federal legislators have offices in the state somewhere. So, uh, and then don't forget to do the same thing with your uh, state legislators as well as your local legislators. I mean, really, it's about, you know, we have been allowing really corrupt, crooked um, people who don't align with us. We've been allowing people to run for office and take charge. Uh, so it's time for us to be responsible enough to uh, go out, be heard, run, and take those positions back. Good people. Absolutely. Uh, and the local elections um, are so important because a lot of times people will, you know, get on like the city council or something like that just as a way to start their political career. And um, right. one of the elections we had a few years ago, somebody was asking me, would I help, you know, get the word out about him? And I said, well, I need, here's my lane. I am the Second Amendment, period. So even though this is a city council thing, uh, and that's not going to be a hot button, and you're not going to be making decisions necessarily on the Second Amendment, I need to know where you stand on that before I can help spread the word and help you build your base of voters. Um, and, right. you know, so what? We're friends. Great, we're friends. But and we can disagree on things, but if you want me to actually use my influence to help you influence others, right? Kind of need to know where you stand on something as important as the Second Amendment. So these, these local small uh, elections really do have impact uh, immediately and farther down the line. So I, I encourage people to pay attention. So I was going to get back to the pocketbook thing. You know, you said that your delegates need to have enough of a pocketbook. Uh, to participate. That's not because we pay dues to the DC project. That's because this is an actual real true once a year grass. <laughs> well, that's true, right? This is a real once true a year. Grass. I ask you to pay your dues and get yourself to Washington DC. Yep. Um, for, for, for the first time this year in 2019, we became a 501c4. So um, that allows us to be a nonprofit, but it's not the tax exempt nonprofit. Uh, and, and we have actually started trying to do fundraisers. So uh, we had a team match, a team three gun match, because that's kind of my realm and that's how I know how to do things. So uh, we did that. We had a great success. Everybody had a good time, but we raised enough money that I could pay for all the hotels for the ladies when they came to Washington, D.C., and that's important because if people are doing this on their own dime in their own time, I don't mind not compensating them for their time. But when it comes out of their own pocket to get there, it's really easy for them to say, you know, something came up last week and I can't make it to the trip this week. And that leaves that state completely empty. So when I can help out, when the DC Project Foundation now can help out and make sure that those uh, ladies are at least not taking anything out of their pocket. That's huge uh, from my perspective as a manager. Um, and I don't, and, and that's still, so, and there's so much to do. There's time is of the essence. And I really do want to uh, blow this up and take it down to the state level, get a better website, um, hire somebody full time to do this because I do not have time to do this as to the extent that I feel like it would be effective. So there's so much there's so much going on right here, but we do have to up our fundraiser. And you, my friend, are doing the first fundraiser reception um, that we've ever done. So if any of your listeners, I'm sure if they follow you, they know that next Thursday night, the 19th, at your business, AZ Firearms, we are having a DC Project Foundation uh, reception. So come hang out. Um, 
meet some of the women that go. We've got several people in town for the gun rights policy conference and meet several of the people, the, the women that go, hear their stories. We're going to have, you're going to do a little panel. And Am I stealing your thunder here? Not at all. Um, go, go, go. Okay. Yeah. So it's, uh, we have tickets on Eventbrite, DC Project Reception. And uh, come hang out. The tickets are only $20, but I hope that you're inspired to, to do even more. Oh, I'll have shirts. I've got the new fall shirts, three-quarter lengths. It says legislate, and it's crossed out with educate. And then we have a new, if you haven't seen the DC Project logo, it's kind of cool. Very cool. Robin Sandoval, Miss Texas, did that. And that's on the back, but the front is a wordle. And it has all sorts of different words in it about what the Second Amendment means to us. And then we've got a cute little football jersey with the sleeves with the DC Project logo on the front. I so love it. Those are the three fall shirts. So that we're is trying the, to we're trying to sell those to raise. That is the Capitol Dome that logo in Washington D.C which we hold a rally at the end of each of our uh, weeks in D.C., right at the foot of mm -hmm. that, that building, that dome. And I just love that, you know, she's taken the dome and the profile of, of a woman. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's yeah. so powerful. And I love all of those shirts. So do people have to wait till the reception, or is there a way online that maybe they could buy those up now? Well, they can, um, they're not like in my cart right now. I just got them and I'm at my folks house. So I've got three big old boxes here and I'll be back home next week, but then I'm going to go to your place. So it'll be a while for them to get online. Um, but they can message me and I can ship them out. Of course, I'll bring a bunch of them to the uh, reception and the uh, gun rights policy conference. So I'll have them there. And, uh, but if they want them now or they want me to ship them to them, they can DM me um, on Instagram. I'm die three gun. And on uh, Facebook, my athlete page is Diana Muller three gun. So I'm all over social media and uh, even the DC project is as well. So on Instagram, it's DC project uh, foundation. I think it's DC underscore project foundation. And then um, I'm on Facebook. It's the DC project. If you type that in and then you can DM me anywhere on there and I can ship some shirts to you. Very we'll good. just take the money. Right. And on your uh, guest page on Gun Freedom Radio, you go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the guest tab, find Diana. I'll put the link on her guest page as well. And Diana is with two N's and Muller is with two L's, M-U-L-L-E-R. Easy, easy to find. Um, so yeah, this reception is going to be wonderful. Uh it, and it is the first pancake. So, you know, we're, we're kind of making it up as we go, but I think there was no way to not try to seize on having so many of our delegates in the same place at the same time, because the second amendment foundation every year they put on the gun rights policy conference and it travels mm -hmm. this year. It happens to be in my home state of Arizona and it is on uh, over the weekend of September well, our reception is, like you said, Thursday the 19th, 2019, and then uh, the rest of the weekend will be the Gun Rights Policy Conference. And while we are a fundraiser and we're going to be, uh, you know, full disclosure and shamelessly hoping to uh, encourage you to help us out financially with our venture, uh, the Gun Rights Policy Conference is free and it brings together people from all over the nation like our delegates to uh, encourage one another and, and talk about what's going on in their state and talk about what our challenges are nationally uh, for our constitutional rights. And so it's just a wonderful weekend of just freedom loving people of every political persuasion coming together. Um, and uh, I just, I can't encourage you enough to come out to the, the reception if you can, it'll be in Avondale, Arizona. And um, I mean, who doesn't love a good selfie with somebody that you admire? So I, I'm always grabbing, you know, multiple selfies with Diana. So get ready for that. So I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, the grassroots angle of this and how 
you know, that I think that word has been completely misused over the last few years and it's lost its, its true meaning. And so when we are trying to shamelessly encourage people to buy the t-shirt, to spend the $20 to come to the reception and then hopefully also make a, a separate donation, um, the, the reason that those things are so important is because yes, thank God my husband and I have had the wherewithal and the freedom to cut, to step away from our business, which a lot of people don't even have that. They don't have a big enough staff or whatever that I could dive into this project and really give it my all. But there are some people out there that have just as much passion as I do, but maybe they don't have the money to travel. Right. And so, uh, for those people to help bring them into this world, uh, you know, and every dollar is stretched so far. We are such a thrifty group. I don't know if anybody can understand. We don't stay at fancy hotels. We don't go eat fancy meals. You know, we are just about trying to be together. That's true. And you, you started that out with grassroots and, um, I really do. I mean, I, I knew what that meant, but I, now that I've seen it in practice, I have a much different respect for it. Uh, you know, we go to Washington DC once a year and I get ideas. I mean, I've been stealing ideas from the antis, uh, for the past four years. Every time I go there, it's like, Oh, I want to get some messaging. And that's another thing that I want money for is that I want when we go there or, or maybe even every other month or however much we can afford it, I want to see pro-gun messaging driving around. I want to see some kind of pro thing stuck in the ground across the street from the Capitol building. I want to, you know, we see those things. People who rely on, you know, giving their yearly donation to the NRA or gun rights policy or you know, whatever they support, um, they don't understand what exactly uh, the, the enemy is doing. And we get to see that firsthand. So um, this really, you know, I feel like I can't say it because it's us, but they can trust us mm -hmm. that we are like 100% focused on getting the message out and making the relationships and protecting the Second Amendment. That is our only goal. So, uh, yeah, when, if people are, are curious, I would hope that they would investigate, but uh, they can trust that their $20 or their $20,000 is going to go straight to, you know, we are going to, I want to pass out food and water when they get off the subway, like we see the antis, you know, 10 of them dressed in the same shirt, handing out food. I mean, we are battling a very well-funded and well-organized machine. Mm -hmm. And I feel very little when I get off the subway and I see this and I know that they are influencing people yeah. uh, and that we have to do the same thing on a, on a no budget. So that's why we, that's why we're upping our fundraising is that there are, you know, all the organizations that are kind of, of doing their piece but I feel like we kind of can be another piece a very instrumental piece of preserving and protecting our, our rights absolutely and so when you talk about like the bus this uh, past year while we were there in 2019 just before we uh, the DC project met in DC I had been to a huge uh, gathering of Patriots in Delaware and uh, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of them and Delaware and DC are not that far apart but there was a bunch of the right. people in that audience that truly wanted to come and support us at our rally but it was a matter of you know just organizing a ride basically and so where we right. were thinking we right. would love to be able to pay for a bus to get these people here and they would say we'd love to get there but we need somebody to pay for a bus that is part of what this kind of fundraiser is going to be able to do because the enemy as you say they're not the enemy of me personally they're not the enemy of diana personally they're the enemy of of our rights they're the enemy of preserving what our founding fathers fought bled starved and died for that those people that are the enemies of that, they do have money for buses. They do have matching t-shirts and lunch to hand to everybody. And so what it looks exactly. like 
is that there's more yeah. of them. Go ahead. Well, and they have the money. I think it goes a step further. You know, we have those people who have the same heart that we do, but I honestly, from what I have seen from people um, and stories I've heard is that they go to a anti-gun rally and 10 minutes beforehand, there's nobody there. And they bus after bus after bus, they get off, they go get their, you know, they do their signs, they do the rallies, they, they do whatever it is and they turn back. And I'm like, you know, maybe some of those people believe in, but are they paying them? I think it's very p possible mm -hmm. that they're just bodies. Yeah. Um, and whether they believe it or not, they're still getting the same message of crosses that there's, you know, thousands of people here. So we just, you know, we're baby steps. If we can provide buses from, especially those Northeastern states that are close to DC, if we can provide buses for patriots who actually love the second amendment and they want to get there to the rally, that's definitely something that's on my list. Absolutely. And you know, our first year when you had us um, joined together in DC, uh, we, our rally, it was little, but it was real, right? It was people who were there out of their own passion, out of their own pocketbook. And then the next year it grew and the next year it grew. Um, so you have had incredible success in a short amount of time, not only capturing people's hearts and minds who who want to be a part of what you're doing with the DC project, but also people who want to, like maybe they can't be the delegate for Arizona because I'm already the delegate for Arizona, but I want to do something, right? You have had incredible success, and I want you to talk about that. Like as we're going into these offices and talking with legislators on both sides of the fence, um, you've had incredible success. But the optics of it, like you said, it looks like, well, it's just a handful of, oh, they're just fringe. Oh, it's just a few, right? When right. it really isn't. We just need some, some finances to, to help get the people where they want to be. Like we said, the, that Delaware crowd. Here's what I want to say about Delaware. Delaware gun rights is one year old. They have 20 five or 28,000 members. Wow. And those were the people I was talking to when I went to make a speech. And those were the people that do support what you're doing. They do support the DC project. We just couldn't get the bodies gathered together and organized uh, because we didn't have the bus. Could you imagine if we could just put the grease in the financial wheels and bring these people together. Um, and, and Connecticut has a passion. Virginia has a passion. Oh, yeah. I mean, all those states yeah. that are right there together. Um, and the reason that Delaware gun rights grew, became a thing, and then grew so quickly is because of the threat from the enemies of their Second Amendment rights. And so, you know, sometimes the, the, the enemies, quote unquote, they're doing us a favor because they're waking us up out of our apathy. Our biggest enemy is right. apathy. So, right. so that's, that's my little soapbox moment. But I do want you to talk about, you know, this, the DC project, the lane is the second amendment. We care about all of our constitutional rights, but the lane is the second amendment. And then the, each mm -hmm. individual delegate kind of is in a lane within that lane. Uh, Talk to us about the delegates themselves, some of the incredible women who have come to join us, and then talk about when they sit down in front of their representatives or representatives, you know, like when, when I go, I'm Arizona, but I'm in a team, you've got us in like teams of four. And so somebody from New York, We'll get to sit in an Arizona office and go, oh, wow, so this is what freedom sounds like? This is crazy. And then I, I go sit in the New York office and feel like I have to bite my tongue half the time uh, because uh, they say things like, it's not palatable for the police force, uh, for the public to have firearms. And I'm like, I read the Constitution and the word palatable is nowhere in there, but I just smile. 
I just smile. I don't say anything. Good girl. Smarmy. Yes. Um, but what I did do was I challenged him to look at Arizona as a real life, real time experiment in what happens when freedom is enacted because we have constitutional carry here and our police force is plenty palatable for them because they know that they don't have as much crime to fight because an armed society is a polite society. And, and I right. caused a little bit of cognitive dissonance that day. And it was, it was a little tiny win for me. I was like, high five me. That's, <laughs> so exactly, that's exactly what, that, that's a good word, the cognitive dissident, because, uh, you know, it's incongruent with, with what they see on the TV and how they personally believe. And then we sit in front of them and it's like, hmm, she's articulate. She's pretty. She's a survivor, whatever it is. And you're Right. The women that we have part of the DC project, um, you know, there's several women that have survived horrible things that happened in their life and um, their stories are very powerful. Uh, but we have, we have left, we have right, we have up, we have down, we have brown, we have black, we have white, we have um, Asian, Filipino. Um, there's just, it's just, I talked about it earlier, it's a cross section of America. Uh, we have transgender from California. We have, um, I think we have hunters, sports shooters. Yeah. Um, we just have people from every walk of life. So grandmothers, daughters, down to 11 years old this year to mid-70s, I want to say. So, yeah, I, I couldn't be more proud of, um, you know, you say it's my baby. Well, I'm going to give this to God because I couldn't have – this wasn't my vision. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it this way. <laughs> I would have screwed it up. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, I, I'm a practicing Christian. So in my terminology, I would say it's a blessed uh, venture that it feels that doors have opened that are bigger than what we human beings could have just opened. So I, I appreciate right. that you said that. So the other thing I want to talk about is that, you know, we're in a, a weird moment in history. Um, you know, I, I heard once that, you know, that saying that may you live in interesting times is actually a little bit of a dig, actually a little bit of a curse, you know, like, oh, and by interesting, yeah. I mean, like, everything's uh, total craziness, which feels like the times we're living in. They are very, indeed, interesting. And so we have, you know, this huge organization, the NRA, they're going through a rough patch, right? We don't, that story is still unfolding. We don't know what, you know, who the heroes are, who the villains are. We don't know all the ins and outs, but they're going through a rough patch. We have the president who the NRA supported. And so a lot of pro 2A, pro second amendment people said, well, if you trust him, then we trust him. And he stood up and said, you know, I, I will never endanger your Second Amendment rights. Well, and now he has said some things. Except for that, bump stocks. <laughs> yes, except, except for, for bump stocks. Yeah, bump stocks. You know, that doesn't concern me. Yeah, that, uh, what I look at is the big picture and the two conservative um, Supreme Court justices that he, you know, he's keeping his promise there. Mm -hmm. He's also a businessman and a... Um, and, and a negotiator and he understands that he has to give something up. So I think that's where he comes from. He may have not been in the second amendment space mm -hmm. uh, at, at, at much at all, but understands a very surface level of it. So, and, and I think he hears us. I think when, when he calls and talks to whomever he's talking to, whether it be the NRA or his son, mm -hmm. um, I think that, that he will back off things once he, you know, gets the information. Is mm -hmm. he going to, do I support the bump stock thing? No, absolutely not. Do I support any kind of uh, anything that's coming up right now? Red flag, universal background checks, uh, assault weapons ban, blah, blah, blah. Any of it? No, because I don't think it's effective and I don't think it's going to do anything to make us safer. Right. Um, in my opinion, being safe is me being my own first responder and being able to protect myself. So with the great equalizer. So uh, what was the question? So, um, yeah, all of that that you said, but where I was kind of thinking in my mind was that we tend to want to sit back and rely on somebody else to get these things done for us, right? So I have actually heard people say out loud, 
well, I wrote my check to the NRA, so I'm done. I did my part, right? I voted for the Second Amendment president. I did my part. This moment in time where these two very big, very public entities, the presidency and the NRA, um, having these hopefully just blips on the radar in, when it comes to our Second Amendment protections, that tells me that you are on the right track to reach out to individual people, that ordinary warrior piece, reach out to individual people and help empower them and help them to understand how big of a voice each person really does have. Because the only thing our founders promised us was that it would require eternal vigilance to try to keep this Republic. And um, so that it was kind of where I was heading and I'm happy so much for everything that you said, because all of that is very important as well. But we really need to come back to the basics of understanding that what you do and what I do in my lifetime will have reverberating effects into the lives of the children and the children's children of this nation. Well, and I think that, you know, we focus on the legislators, but we're really losing the messaging is the messaging of the public opinion. You know, we're losing in that court. Uh, so when those antis are congregated at the top of the um, subway exit and they're handing you food and things like that, they're influencing their messaging. Um, everybody. They're not just focusing on the politicians. So that's really who we need to be talking to. We need to be talking to our neighbors, our relatives, our kids, our teachers. We have to plug back into society, even though they hate us, even though they spew hate towards us. We have to stay connected and plugged into them in order to, to get that cognitive dissident going. This doesn't equal what I see on the nightly news about gun owners. You know, I know Cheryl Todd and I know that she's a good human. So um, it's really important that not only do we do the DC project, the relationship thing um, with our legislators, but with our community as well. So that's why it's so important for us to get, get plugged back into, you know, our community, you know, go to people who don't go to church, don't have any community, honestly, mm -hmm. they might have the school community, but um, you really don't have a family or somebody that has similar um, ideals mm -hmm. uh, anywhere. And, it, and the, our, our technology these days makes it more difficult for us to be personable. You can always attack each other online. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes it it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to do that than to be hateful and rude. So, and, and it's really hard, I think, for our community. A lot of people, if you're not prepared to have that conversation and you don't have the mindset, to be kind and outreach, then you're going to punch back with name calling and hateful and rudeness in return, which doesn't do anything for our, for our cause. So there's a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. And um, just even the, the microcosm that you have brought together with the DC project, like you said, you, it was so much easier to just pop off with something that, you know, rude about liberal leading people until you had that human being in front of you that you otherwise liked, right? And then you're like, oh, wait, I didn't realize quite what I was saying and how I was saying it. That has personally helped me as I'm crafting messages uh, with my show and speeches because it, it makes me more honest to staying in that middle space and speaking to people who really, they haven't quite figured out, are guns evil? Are they good? Like, I'm not quite sure. And I'll find myself writing a sentence and then somebody like Lara Smith will pop into my mind and I'll think, can I make that same point and use different words? And if I can, then when I'm sitting in the office of a, of a representative who is disagreeing with my entire life, right? <laughs> I'm a Christian. I'm a gun owner. So and what's that? Yeah. Your soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, then it helps me to be, uh, to speak in better ways so that I don't automatically 
put myself in that other category that they might be tempted to put me in. Um, and, and I think and dismiss. It's dismiss. To dismiss. Absolutely. So I think that that's incredibly powerful um, that, and to encourage us to reach out and talk to our neighbors and not first try to figure out online, well, are they conservative or are they a liberal? You know, so that I know whether I want to talk to them or not. No, just go talk to them and right. be humans first. And then weed through the yeah. other stuff later. Um, well, we need to probably start wrapping up. I've kept you. You're at your parents. It looks very woodsy there where you are with your. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. So right. uh, I'm, I'm lucky to have a week right now to kind of catch up and work from anywhere. And so I choose to do it for my parents this week. Well, that's very nice. And I'll and I, see you next week. Yes. I, that's what I want to wrap up with. I want to talk again, uh, tell folks again, how can they learn more about the DC Project? How can they support the DC Project? And how can they come out and see you and I and get selfies with us at the reception? Okay. So you can learn more about the DC project at dcproject.info. Very easy. Um, it talks about the, the project and there's also a donation button and there might even be a shirt on there, but we have more shirts, like I said. Um, and then for the reception next week, we have a, uh, an Eventbrite page. It's the DC project reception and I'll take you to tickets. They're $20 and uh, just bring more than that. We're going to try to get it. <laughs> I like how you said that. It's only 20, but uh, we, in full disclosure, we are going to really win. want more. <laughs> but it is for freedom. It's for liberty. It's for talking to our representatives and helping them to better represent those of us who are passionate about our right to keep and bear arms. And, and that right, that is, the Bill of Rights isn't telling us what we're allowed to do, right? It's telling the government, oh, wait, that's the firewall. You've got to stay on that side of it. You're not supposed to be, right, talk to the hand. To the hand. You're not supposed to be anywhere mm -hmm. on this side of that, that amendment. And they, they have crept in, around, under, and through time and time again with their common sense, their feel good, their, you know, law upon law. And uh, if you care about that, um, that takes time and effort and work, and we encourage you to do it yourself, everyone listening, everyone watching, but you can also empower others like those of us in the DC Project by, uh, you know, that next cup of coffee you were going to buy, or maybe your coffee budget for the year, you know, whatever, however the spirit moves you. Uh, a million. We'll take a million. That's right. I can spend yeah. a million. It might take me, actually, I'm really... Uh, I'm really good with money. Um, we've got, um, we, we made, we made money at the fundraiser this year, but we didn't spend it all on that one trip. So we wanted to make sure that we had, I always have to have padding and, um, I feel like I'm very, my credit score is really good. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and we are very thrifty and we care very much about being good stewards of, uh, what's been entrusted to us. And so, um, anyway, uh, donate often, right? Uh, donate deep, all those things. Huh? I'm not a salesman, so. No. Well, you don't <laughs> this have is to as much of asking for money as I've ever done. Huh? This is, yeah, I said you don't have to be a good salesman, but I know it is a hard thing to ask for, for money. I don't know why that is. I don't like it. I mean. I've asked in this little podcast, I've asked for money more than I have in, you know, I'm just usually like one of those things that sits back and, and waits for people to approach me or whatever, but no more all, you know, we, I'm ready to, we're going it's, after it. It's too important. And that's the it thing. Is. That is what this interesting time that we're living in has shown us. It is too important to sit back and hope that other people uh, support us and see what we're doing. We have to start speaking up more and, and saying, you know, hey, this is, I mean, we are facing a vote any, any day now, really. Uh, we're sitting here, it happens to be September 11th of 2019. And just the significance of this day alone, where we said we would never forget, 
Well, we forget tons of stuff all the time. We forget what our founding fathers did, uh, why they did it. And uh, once we wake up and... Thinking about those 18 to 25-year-old kids that have no really idea of what it felt like to wake up and see the second plane hit, because that was about the time we got up in central time. And um, I, it's just, I'm like, what are we, are we telling our kids or are we basking in that freedom too much? And we have to, you know, they, the, those founding fathers, oh my gosh, they were so, so smart. You know, refresh the tree of liberty. And that's what it's going to, you know, I believe them. I don't want to do it, but Absolutely. I believe it's true. Absolutely. Well, the work that we do now is to hopefully to head off all the, the stuff they had to go through, right? Right. Um, they didn't have any choice in the matter. The, the nation grew the way that it grew, but they gave us that, the, the most rare opportunity um, that's been known on this planet. And we all, we do treat it like it's cheap nowadays and uh, shame on us, honestly. Um, even those of us that are working hard for it, um, I, I should have been tapped in sooner in my life, uh, but I've got uh, my daughter thankfully, is one of those millennials. She hates it when I call her a millennial, Cassie, but she she gets it. She understands. Um, she understands hard work. She understands that um, she stands on the shoulders of those that came before. Um, and so she will instill that in, in my two little granddaughters uh, when the time comes when they're old enough. And when we go to DC, I go as three generations, right? I, I got my whole little thing entourage. I know. Say when in time when the times right. I mean, Ray's been with us for I mean the whole time. Every time you go, she's there. So you're you're not waiting <laughs> for the time to be right. She's she's steeped in it from the beginning. So we appreciate that for you and your family. Well, for this opportunity, I wouldn't have done it if it weren't for the DC project, and and it is changing my family legacy to be a part of this uh, program, and and that's how important it is. So Diana Muller, thank you so much for, for your service. I don't think I mentioned at the beginning, you were a 22-year veteran of the Tulsa, Oklahoma Police Force. Thank you for that service. Thank you for empowering and your continued service that empowers people like me and all of our 50-plus women, one from each state, that are part of the DC Project. Well, I thank you for that, and I thank you for all the work that you do because you have a a tireless energy that uh, is contagious and it really does feed our group. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everybody stick around. There is always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom. Gun Freedom Radio. Freedom. <laughs> oh, bye now. <laughs>